Welcome to Authentic Jewish Living with Yiska, our journey into finding our own authentic expressions within the Jewish tradition. This indeed unfolds the path to encounter the divine within each one of us. As always, I hope that today's episode will help you understand that authentic living in fact is a spiritual practice and that authentic living is essential to the Jewish way of living. Welcome, everyone. Barachot Habaot, Barachim Habaim. This month's conversation, as with all, will highlight the diversity, the dynamic texture, and varied landscape that expresses and honors authentic Jewish living. I will be in conversation today with a special and unique personality in the Jewish world whose voice needs to be heard, must be heard by many, by all people who seek inspiration, encouragement, and support to be true and faithful to their inner selves. With excitement, with joy, and with so much gratitude, I am just so filled with gratitude. I am honored to be in conversation today with Rabbi Dr. Mish Hammerkasai, who I also consider a dear friend. And I want to tell the listeners that when I returned home to Yerushalayim 10 years ago this month, the very first Friday Shabbat dinner that I had back home in Yerushalayim was at Mish's home. And that's when we first met for the first time. So welcome, welcome, Ruhaba Amish. Mish, I'd like to read a little bit from your bio so the listeners uh, can become acquainted with you. Mish has been teaching Talmud and the social justice track, as well as administrative roles at Pardes here in Yerushalayim since 1999. She is now transitioning to be the director of the YEAR program. Originally from Washington, D.C., Mish has a B.A. in Near Eastern and Judaic Studies from Brandeis University and a M.A. and Ph.D. from New York University. Her dissertation explored the courageous manner in which the rabbis of the Talmud created a new criminal punishment system. I, FYI, I would love to read that. <laughs> Don't wish it on yourself. Don't wish it on It's a good punishment. In the new criminal punishment In the new system. In 2015, Mish completed her studies at Beit Midrash Har-El here in Yerushalayim and received smicha, her ordination, from Rav Herzl Hefter and Rav Daniel Sperber. Amazing, amazing. Mish is also a graduate of Nativ, Pardes, Midrashat Lindenbaum, Jerisha, and Atid. 
She has received many fellowships, including Lady Davis, National Foundation for Jewish Culture, Memorial Foundation, and Atid. She has also taught at NYU, Jerisha, and Midrashat Lindenbaum. Despite having written a dissertation about criminal punishment in the Talmudic period, Misha is known by her husband and three children, and if I may add many, many others, <laughs> as a lover of mercy, compassion, and kindness. Oh, I'm so glad you're saying that because, in truth, I think that part of the reason I'm a little late today is because I wasn't being that kind to my child. You will study for your test. You will study. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, lifetime educators are lifetime learners. <laughs> so, Baruch it's so good to have you here. Oh, and yes, I know it's you're... so delightful to be here with you. You're such a special person and really also a, a mentor and an, a special personality in my heart. So I'm really glad to work with you all the time and to be here right now. Lovely, lovely. Baruch Hashem. So before I dive into the, what I call the four questions, right? Manishtanaha podcast, as we call podcasting. Uh, I would like to ask you, in light of this incredible, diverse, talk about multi-textured life, multi-textured bio, uh, how you see yourself in terms of your personal journey right now, and how that interweaves with what's going on in the larger world around us, in Israel, globally, is there anything that you feel um, you're emphasizing now or that you're called upon to pay more attention to in your, in your journey, your career, your work? Mm. Thank you for that question. Um, it's funny because I think I'm at a crossroads. When I, I always wanted to be someone who wasn't just focused on women's issues. Mm. And in 2015, when I was ordained amongst the first cohort of female rabbis, it was a very strong draw to like to being a female leader um, and focusing on women's issues that I was, I think, would have naturally pushed against. Um, and I thought, okay, this is my calling and I'm going to embrace it. And now um, I've just stepped into a new role of being the director of the year program at Pardes, um, which I myself was a student in, in 1991. So it's a long journey for me, sort of back home, if you will. And, uh, and I think that that brings me back to where, you know, in choosing to write my dissertation, I very deliberately chose something that was not about women's issues, but about rabbinic power and about justice generally. And I think that um, wow. I, I'm sort of stepping back now in being in stepping into this role of uh, um, being the director of the Beit Midrash in, in Yerushalayim to be focused on Kalal Yisrael in general and something that's much less. Uh, um, uh, in some ways, focuses on the Jewish world as a whole and bringing people together rather than um, advocating for any particular cause beyond togetherness and inclusivity and um, and Klal Yisrael being Amichad. Um, You're literally moving, if, from what I'm hearing, 
you're literally moving from the prat to the klal. Mamash. Yeah, and I'm sure taking the prat, taking the, the taking that specific experience and incredible accomplishment and achievement, <laughs> that so much informs how now you're going into more of the klal, of the general. Yes, yeah. I think that's very... Yeah. yeah, I think that's very much connected to how I see my life mission in general, which is to bring so many precious souls together in conversation with each other and um, and that the song that comes out of there is much more powerful wow. from everybody together. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, let's dive into the uh, first of the four questions. Okay, I'm nervous. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you've always inspired me as, as a person who really does follow their inner voice. So, yes... Uh, Within a Jewish framework, how do you un- how do you understand the phrases authentic living, living my truth, uh, inner integrity? How do you how do you relate to that? What does that mean for you? Wow, those are your phrases. Yiska. <laughs> <laughs> I I, 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 I don't think that I would pick those as phrases for myself of authentic. I. I'm reading, I'm rereading uh, Jonathan Haidt, uh, uh, The Righteous Mind. Have you read it? I have you not read it yet. Re- I, I, for the, your listeners, you must read The Righteous Mind, really a good book. The, um, and what he says is those, I, what, what, what authentic learning, living calls up an image in my mind is the sort of, and, I, and this resonates to me about you actually, <laughs> is someone who doesn't care what other people thinks and like walks their walk, whatever the costs may be, they can handle it and they're just being true to themselves. And that resonates with me about you. And I think that I know about myself that I do not have that ability to be, to, I feel how all of my energy comes from my students and, um, I like to, you know, in that way, throw it on them. If things aren't going well, it must be because you, you're not with me. Because if it's all your fault, whatever happens, I feel like it is something that's created together. So, I think that um, I'm not. I end as a Jewish, as a Talmudist, really, in my core. I think, why am I a Talmudist? Because I tried to be a few other things, is because I don't believe in consistency. I think that there's multiple, there's multiple truths in the world and, and in me, Shamrakasoy, and I can pick different ones at all different, at all different moments. I can only pick different ones at different, at different moments. And, um, and so authenticity is, a, feels like such a high bar for me. <laughs> Yeah, but okay, I hear that, and I'm, and I honor you for how you see you at any given time. And I want to add, I have heard you teach Talmud. I have benefited. I have been blessed to to learn from you, not only how you live your life, but text. And what I love about your teaching which I would call authenticity within the within Chazal, within our sages, is you allow for paradox. You allow for contradiction. Yes, that for sure. I would say, oh, I would say... Now we that, hit on something. <laughs> that the... Beit Hillel, there's a machloket, a disagreement between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. 
what was created first, the heavens or the earth? Both of them have verses to support them. The heavens was created first, the earth was created first, and they disagree. Um, and Beit Hillel, people, my students can always figure out, right, that of course Beit Hillel, who says the heaven, that the earth was created first, and Beit Shammai says the heavens were created first, and it's obvious that Beit Shammai is correct because the, um, because how could, the, first, first there's God, and God creates the world. <laughs> and yet, how can there be a master of the universe without there being a universe? Just like there wasn't, you know, I usually say it like this, what came first, Ima or Leora? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't be a mother until I had my child. And so, of course, Beit Hillel is also deeply right when, he's, when they say that, um, that the heavens and the earth, that the earth, earth was, was created cre first. And the Gemara comes out and says, Shemai Varsni Baruch Echad, they were created simultaneously. And if you just learn the heavens and the earth are created simultaneously, it is very boring. <laughs> but the power of understanding the truth of Beit Shammai and the power of understanding the truth of Beit Hillel coming together, now that is powerful. Holding all of that paradox and holding that radical center. And I really try, this is not always easy for me, I'm just going to say right up front, it's not always easy for me to feel this truly, but to remember that we need every single voice in this Jewish world, in this world in general, and that all of the, all of the voices hold an aspect of truth that we need to hear um, and to try to find where is that voice. And so I think that would be my, that's where I Beautiful. want to be authentically on the spectrum. You know, when you talk about we need everyone, I was just discussing this with a client of mine in my practice, in my spiritual mentoring practice, that if you have a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle and you put together 999 of the pieces mm -hmm. and you can't find the 1000, oh, right? That's so crushing. Isn't it? <laughs> However, what it does also teach us is how value, the value of one little piece, especially when it's the last piece. And until we find that last piece, the puzzle is not complete. The Mashi Law says that also, doesn't it? Doesn't he? With the the Ishvitz are that everybody, that every, well, in many Hasidim, that there's, that every person is a letter in the Sefer Torah. Oh, right, right. You can't exactly. have a kosher Sefer Torah unless you have every letter. Um, so, yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I would like to suggest, I would like to suggest, and I will, by extension, all of humanity. Absolutely. All of humanity. We all need each other. And we all need to be each other's teachers and followers and students and and observers. Sometimes we just need to observe and be mm, quiet. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank <laughs> you. What, that see that is mm, I pulled it out of you. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Paradox. The 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 rabbi of paradox. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I actually love when you do that in your shiurim. It's a it's a it's what makes you you. Yeah. Thank you. Now, the second question, uh, what is your, if you do have this, what is your go-to favorite Torah teaching that expresses your personal sense of your Jewish identity best? Wow. Okay, so maybe yeah. that what I already cited might Could, be something that I would, 
uh, there's not okay the thing is that because I'm a Talmudist I don't have to be consistent and every moment I have a different I have a different thing that I would say I think that is one Torah that I cite a lot um another one that I sing a lot for myself you sing I love well I not for other people Oh, okay. I, no, no, I, I don't sing well, but I <laughs> I try to get my, uh, I also know it will be a good year when my students are willing to sing with me. Not always are people willing to sing with me, but they, um, mm. I'm not, anyway, I, Shirat Asavim of Rebbe Nachman this year I learned with my daughter, um, Rebbe Nachman, um, which was, uh, learning with my daughter, learning with my children in general is one of my great, great pleasures, um, this year we learned together Rabbi Nachman and um, and we sought out the passages that have to do with the songs. You know the uh, you know the song that by uh, Nomi the song is Nomi Shemer, uh, but Shirata Asavim it's rooted in Rabbi Nachman. The that. You should know that every single shepherd has a song that is his. You should also know that. That kol esev esev, every blade of grass, or as I was just in Bulgaria and I thought what Rebbe Nachman really meant was every single weed, he meant every single weed. Every single weed. Yesh lo nikun They have their own, um, each, every single blade of grass has its own um, song. And from the song of each weed, the shepherd has a uh, makes his song. I uh, we when I well, I, I was just in Bulgaria last week and I saw it was the forests. I know that it, he he says that it makes us desire to come to Eretz Israel, but he obviously wrote this song when he was in, uh, he wrote this passage when he was in these deep forests similar to Bulgaria, not Bulgaria, but in that kind of, compared to Israel. Yeah, (laughs) I was in you, I was in the Ukraine and we saw there the, the Roim, the shepherds of the cows, I don't know what they're called, the, sh- the cow herders in the fields. And I was like, this is what Rabbi Nachman saw. But this is, to me, the spirit, obviously God is the shepherd and we are the Asavim. And we're just these pathetic weeds. But each of us has this, pa- this, po- this beautiful song that each of us has. And God puts them all together and into something much bigger and... Uh, that is uh, a go-to source for me. This really moves me because of my gardening. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you've, you see my garden. I am in my garden every morning. <clears throat> and except for Shabbat, what, much of what I'm doing is weeding. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned in Hebrew from my gardener, who helps me with the bigger projects in the garden, that the word la'asev is to weed. <laughs> like, I need to chala'asev I have to weed now. So asavim could either mean grass, the grasses, or the weeds. And in a way, I'm confessing this to you now and to all, all the, the, the listeners in light of this teaching that you just shared with us from Rabbi Nachman, that I always feel a little guilty when I pull out the weeds. As you should. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> if I don't, they'll they'll strangle my, yes. my, my. I have to weed because they'll strangle. It's the way Hashem created them 
for reasons I can't even venture to understand. But if I don't weed, I won't have a garden. The, the, right. I, I have to. But yet, I try to do it with, with the kavanah. Hashem, you created the weeds. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do to guard, to be a shomeret over this garden that you've bequeathed to me, that you've given me as this gift to protect. So I'm doing it with the, with the kavanah of I hope it doesn't hurt the weed <laughs> and that the weed fulfilled its function. And I know the listeners may think, who, who is this lady that's talking like this about <laughs> weeding? But you brought up the Torah, so I'm just kind of, this is a spontaneous conversation <laughs> here. Uh, it really, there really is something about that, about, about the weeds. Absolutely. Really? It was. It hit me when I was in Bulgaria. Uh, you know, when I was oh, in wow. the forest where Rabbi Nach, that. Well, he did not mean grass. He meant the weeds. weeds. And I also, I have a, I have a, I have a little garden. Also, I live a little bit further out than you, not in the center of town, and I have grass. And I, the weed that I have in my grass is these kotsvedardar tatsmiachlach from the the these uh, they're burrs, thorns, thorns the kind that 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 stick to your clothes oh, yes. and your socks, and yep. they're so horrible. Yep. So I I I'm so glad that we're having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's bringing Torah into the global environment. <laughs> that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. I always thought it was a blade of grass. Now it's a blade of, a, of, a, of weed. Okay. Uh, the, the third question, our third question, how do you see your role as a voice of change, as a shlicha? You're like an emissary, a voice of change not only in the Jewish world, but also because I know you have, you see the world through a lens of a global community as well, a voice of change specifically in the Jewish world and in the world at large. How do you see that for yourself? Mm. Well, I'm a little nervous about the word change. Okay. Um, I want, to, I'm a rabbi and I'm a teacher. So I, I have been told by one of my mentors, um, I, I think I can name him Dean David, Dr. David Bernstein, that he, that teachers are the most conservative um, profession that there is, like we hate change and change and teaching has changes the least um, of everything. And I think he's wrong. It must be that rabbis, you know, rabbis, their job is to uphold the Masoret, to uphold, to uphold the tradition. Um, and I myself re return to the tradition. And yet, I, there's no question that people, that I'm an oxymoron, right? And here I am as a female rabbi. Everyone knows that Orthodox <laughs> women can't be female rabbis. And, uh, <laughs> and you are. <laughs> and I am. And so, of course, I must also be in favor of some amount of change. The, um, do you know that Yehuda Amichai? poem um, water can't uh, can't return in repentance where are they going to go back Liberas to the uh, to, to the, the sink Limikorot to their to the water company to their original source um, where are they returning to you mean? where are they going to return what's the original place of the water that's the that uh, he's the best 
Rabbi Yehuda Amichai. The uh, he wouldn't like that. The <laughs> How would you translate what you did? Uh, Yehuda Amichai. The, call the, the, the I called him. What do you call him? A rabbi. He, but no, he would not call himself a rabbi. Uh, but fantastic, very special teacher of mine. Um, but that that every place kol makom who had who had chala every place wherever the water is is its beginning is its end and its beginning again, and so change is something that we we're always going back to ourself we're always repenting to where we are to yamehem and uh, I think that's true for the Jewish world also. Um, that being said, we're in a really hard time in the world, I think, in, in not just the Jewish world. The Jewish world is suffering from a symptom that the world as a whole is having, which is the binary, the polarization of the world. And it, it's, um, I think that my job is to, Pardes is a place that brings people together from across the spectrum and to really, I, I met with a student recently, a European student and, uh, and he, they were talking about their, the hard time they had with their encounter with American students. You know, American students and European students are very different sensibilities. Um, and there was a little bit of dismissiveness of the American um, position. And then in the same breath, he started to tell me all of the things that he had learned from the American students, how much he had learned to bring in different narratives on, um, on the conflict, different models of Jews, because in Europe they tend to have mostly Orthodox Judaism and they really hold that up as the only option. Um, so the reforming conservative is, is not as strong. That's right, <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. So since, since it's not that strong there, so this was his first encounter with really impressive Jews who are non-Orthodox and, and he was impressed. Even as he was dismissive, and he was, <laughs> that was his, and he was, like, that was his, his first encounter yeah. with people from the queer community, and it was very powerful for him. And yet, he was annoyed that they are trying to find new interpretations for um, <laughs> for why it's not Paro's fault that Pharaoh didn't do anything wrong in Egypt, and that, and to be able to hold that to hold a space where people can come together from across the spectrum. And I just wish everyone, um, one thing I saw in Bulgaria was, um, you know, it's a post-communist country and they, um, and we spent one day in Sofia Mjoni's like, why do you have to go to the farthest thing? But I had to go to the farthest thing, which was the Museum of Socialist Art. In their post-communist Fuhrer, they had to decide what are they going to do with the Lenin sculptures, I could show you the pictures, they're incredible. So many, these massive memorials on every corner to their communist heroes and how are they gonna to relate to those heroes? And what they decided to do was to gather them into a museum rather than to smash them into pieces, but to like, to bring them hold on to them. How can we reflect on our tradition in a critical way, think about it and hold it? And I thought, my gosh, America could really use that. How could we, and I, I read in the New York Times today that they're, that they've voted to take down uh, the, the uh, Confederate, the statues of Jefferson Davis and other Confederate heroes. I'm from New York. I mean, I'm from Virginia. So I, uh, 
whereas my husband was like, they've got to bash them. I was like, we've got to bring them to this museum. Let's hold on to our, let's, we don't want to go back to those Confederate days, of course, but we want to try to bring people together and be able to reflect on our past and honestly reflect on our past and be critically reflect on our past and, and not just crush each other. Um, and so I think that that idea, Pardes is trying to, and here I, I'm not trying to hold up Confederate past in the, I'm so happy we're, don't get me wrong, I'm so happy we're taking these statues down. We should be taking, we Americans, as if I'm still American, are still, but I, I am still an American. They, we're still taking these, that we should be taking these statues down. But the goal is not to smash them in the face of other people, but just to try to, how can we come together in conversation with each other? Because that's really the only way we're going to get out of this polarized reality we're in, is to come together, also in the Jewish world. Yeah, um, so that's, that's what I'm trying. That's that's what I would call for in change. The radical center coming together. Pardes does that. The radical center coming together, and that's the type of change that you see you have a role in affecting. Yes, I do well, think that I do. Well, if you had to, this is a, like a follow-up question. If you had to choose or if you had to cultivate for yourself and for all the different various students that you engage and interface with, one midah in particular. I define a midah. I know usually people translate a midah as a quality trait. I like to translate it as, uh, I learned it from Rav James, Jake, Jacobson, Mizell's, the first teacher who taught me the Piyasetsna. That's wow. where I learned the Piyasetsna from originally. He translates, I heard him one time when he was discussing midot, he translates the midah as an emotional disposition. Mm. Oh, I so like that. I, that really resonates with me more than a quality trait. A quality trait is almost something more external and something to, to see outside of me. A quality trait, but an emotional disposition. What emotional disposition does this type of change bringing the extremes towards the middle, like this radical um, separation, trying to bring it more into the middle. Is there a particular midah, emotional trait, emotional uh, quality trait, emotional disposition that you believe is ikar, is essential, or at least important to, to create this type of change? You know, it says that there's a pasuk in Tehillim that we say on Shabbos, in the Shabbos Pesuket Zimra, uh, in the preparatory prayers on Shabbos morning. Um, <laughs> I hope I've cited it correctly. That, but God, it, God is, loves tzedek u'mishpat, justice and righteousness. Chesed Hashem alakala aretz. That the, the, Loving kindness of uh, of God fills the entire world. The faithfulness, the loving kindness of Hashem fill, fills the whole world. And it's supposed to be, in biblical Hebrew, there's there's parallelism between the verses, so that the first verse, the first part of the verse, and the second verse mean the same, but the second half is stronger than the first. Mm, or this is like how Robert Alter says. They, they, right, you're sort of building up. You know, you would always get to even, right, in the second, you end with the end. So, stakal mishpat and chesed, in some ways, they're related to each other, right? But, they, but chesed's even stronger, even stronger than justice and righteousness is 
faithful loving kindness. And uh, I think that that is the, the, the midah that we should be looking to cultivate is compassion and love mm. for each other, even in the face of a little bit of defiance of it. We don't think they're right, right? But we are looking, but with chesed, we go to, yeah. to discover where there is some right in them, right? Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai had bitter disagreements, but they kept digging. And they, Beit Hillel continued to learn the words of Beit Shammai until they dug out a little bit of the truth, until they recognized that they didn't have all the truth. So that's chesed to me. That's what chesed's about. Oh, we need so much more of that. You know, many, many years ago, we, we just observed, I think it was the 27th passing of Lubavitcher Rebbe. Yeah, no. um, yes. <clears throat> and I remember in the 80s into the, into the 1990s, um, before he, well, more in, in the 1980s when he would be speaking in public a lot, he emphasized the importance of, he called it acts of, of random, like random acts of kindness. Uh -huh. Like not being kind because that's what's expected of me at that moment, or that's what I'm obligated, or that's what the person needs. It's, I just go about my day and I look. I actually look for opportunities. Wow. It's, it's not that hard to do. It really isn't that hard. And he said, these random acts of chesed, of chemla, of rachmanus, this is what could bring the world to a more redemptive, healed space. Now, this was in the 1980s. We're going back 40 years ago. Mm. You know, alachat kama v'kama, as we say, so much the more so today. Just to have that as a mindset, when I leave my home, leave with the intent, what can I do today? One act, one expression, one blessing of someone else, one, whatever it is, to bring the world to a more compassionate, kind place. It's not easy. I just want to say that that's not my normal state. You're like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> if I had to pick something that's like a mantra that I believe in 100, 365 days a year all the time, it's yagata matzata tamin. That, that yeah. if you work hard, someone when someone tells you they work hard and they got there, that you should believe. And anyone who tells you they got there without working hard, you shouldn't believe. I want to be a person of chesed. And, and I, I, and I work really hard to try to be a person of chesed and it's not my, it's not necessarily my default, unfortunately, mm -hmm. but, um, but I think that that's the midah that we need to be always. Awesome. Daf even when it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Correct. <laughs> we'll cultivate the, we need to cultivate the awareness that this is what I need to do today. That's you know, like when we have that shopping list, when we go to the shuk to buy for Shabbat, all the, you know, the cucumbers, tomatoes and whatever it else were. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we should start adding to the to-do list, you know, random acts of kindness. How we greet Beautiful. the vendor that I, who, I buy my fruit from the same group of guys every week. It's an amazing little uh, fruit and veggie place in the Shuk. To be able to look at them in their eye and say, well, how are you today? How are you feeling? Ugh. What's going on for Shabbat, you know? Thank you for bringing such delicious fruit to the store so I could put it on my Shabbat table. Mm. Now, even the, the, just those that raises awareness and sensitivity to that we're all created and that's what I'm hearing from you what is it you as a shalicha as, as this emissary to create this balance of bringing these extremes towards the middle what is it we do share in common mm. you know it's funny that you're phrasing it so beautifully what I 
when I was a student at Pardes in 1991, my teacher, Rabbi Levi Lauer, um, taught me to, that like, together with dragging yourself to class and being serious, to your, you know, being serious about arriving for your chavruta every day was that you have to have a regular chesed practice. And it's something that I took with me into my life, like, you know, of all the things that I took with me into my life, but that a regular volunteer project, but what you're articulating, and that's something that I really believe in, and uh, and you know I canceled on you last time because I forgot and rescheduled my volunteer okay. practice. I think volunteering is so important, and I want to put it as a, a priority, but what you're articulating so beautifully and so true is like, the hope is that that volunteer practice is it creates a mindset that you're bringing into every encounter that we have all the time, and uh, so important. And not again, not easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it's easier to had to set up a, a, a slot for an hour every week and to check off that right, box right, and like, right. okay, I'm this a person. Let's go on. This is my slot for random acts of kindness. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> From two to three every Yom Chamishi, every Thursday, right? Okay. Exactly. Right, check. All right. Okay. Now. In conclusion, the fourth question has uh -oh. a part A and a part B. Okay. In light of the richness that you have already shared with us, from all of that and beyond that, the A question, the A part is, what is your one ask of status quo Jewish leadership, whether it be rabbinical or educational leadership? And by status quo, I mean however you see status quo. It could be affiliated with a movement. It could be in Israel. It could be uh, outside of Israel in the diaspora. But what is, if you could, you know, like when Hashem came to Shlomo HaMelech in the dream and said, I'll make one wish come, you know, what's your one wish <laughs> that I'll make come true, right? And he has to have a love, Shomea. Everyone thinks he would have asked for wisdom because he was considered to be the wisest. But I believe he was wise enough not to ask for wisdom. Mm. He yeah. asked for Lev Shomea. He asked for a heart that could really that could really understand and can really hear people. And he said, your nation, God, these are your people. <laughs> so I ask you, if Hashem came to you in a dream tonight mm. and, and said, okay, Mish, what is your one wish? What is it of, of the leadership? Of the leadership. One wish for the leadership. Well, I, I mean, it's hard for me not to come back again to the holding the multiple truths and to hold respect for each other. They, I think that everyone could benefit a lot from Talmud Torah, Mevili Adema Aseth, that Torah brings to deeds. And, think, and I think that both, everybody needs that in their... Different parts of our Jewish leadership needs that in different ways. We have to remember that we need Torah in order to get us to deeds. We need our Torah should be a Torah that brings us to deeds. And there's something wrong with our Torah if it's not bringing us to deeds. And there's different Jews everywhere who need to hear those different things in our leadership. And I think that our leadership, and that's my way of saying that I think the leadership could do to have a little bit more respect for people in different places on the spectrum than they are. Um, and And perhaps for their... For the for the Jewish people as a whole, um, I think we could use to have a lot more respect for the Jewish for for the Jews who aren't like us. This is hard. This is harder for me than it sounds. <laughs> well, I want I want to gently and compassionately push on you a little with that, uh, not because I disagree. I totally support that. 
but can you be more specific in terms of what does the leadership need to do to show more respect? If that's the end, I see that as the end goal. That's the totsa'ah. That's the byproduct. What do they need to do differently that would show that they are cultivating more respect? Is there anything in particular? Bipartisanship. <laughs> okay, but and I'm talking about the Jewish world here. Collaborative effort. Collaborative effort. There yes. we go. There we go. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. I would love to see that too. More collaborative efforts between. Dafka between the Beit you know, the problem was never between Hillel and Shammai, it was the Beit and Beit Shammai, uh-huh. right? So all the followers who are now the leaders of the leaders before, it's time we get together. Well, I think we have to stop seeing things as a zero-sum game. You know, when we see as like this movement against that movement or this institution against that institution, I think one of the things that makes me so happy about working at Pardes is it's an institution that's so small that we can't begin to think about our play, our place on the world stage. We can only think about what can we, it's not, you know, what will this move do for Mahon Pardes, but what will this move do for the Jewish people? And I think that if everyone could think, what will this world, what will this move do for the Jewish people instead of what will this move do for me? Um, and think of ourselves as servants of, right? I am here to serve the Jewish people. Um, I think that would be a real big step in the right direction. Well, you know, gosh, yes, yes, I vote for you. <laughs> 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 I vote for you. Be careful what I wish for. You know, but what you just reminded me of is this eloquent, incredible teaching from the Ma'or V'shemesh. And the Ma'or V'shemesh is the namesake for whom the Piyasesna Rebbe is named after many, many years later. Uh, Rabbi Kalm Kalam, and, the, and instead of um, Shapiro, the Piyasesna's last name was Shapiro, he was Epstein. And he was a student of Rabbi Eli Melech of Lizinsk. So we're going back to the classical, that, that generation who learned from the Magid of Meserich. And for those who are familiar with um, Rabbi Eli Melech of Lizinsk's Torah, he was such a Tamit Chacham. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was brilliant. And his brother was the famous Reb Zushya. Who was who was not so brilliant, but he's not known for his brilliance, but he's known for being Zusha, for being authentic. Exactly, exactly. So the Maor Vashemish heard this conversation and wrote it in his Sefer that Rebbe Loimelech came to his brother Reb Zusha and said, Reb Zusha, I need you to teach me. Please teach me. I mean, just to think of the humility that such a Tamid Chacham, both in Tarasha Benigla and Tarasha Benistar, the revealed Torah, the, 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 the more mystical aspects of the Torah, came to his brother and said, I need you to teach me. How do you do all the wonders you do in the world? How do you do it? You, you, wherever you go, you seem to bring wonder and this manifestation of the divine presence. What is your secret? It's like magic. What is your secret? He said, it's not a secret at all, brother. He said, what the secret is, achdut. When all the leaders of our generation can come together and collaborate, and that will inspire the chevra, the mm. flock, wow. then we can do all kinds of wonders. We can do all kinds of wonders. So thank you for sharing that, you know, that, 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 that phrase, collaborative effort. That's showing respect. 
Thank you. Well, thank you. Now, the B part to this is, okay, now we've taken care of the leaders. They'll live happily ever after and lead us the way we need to be led, right? What about the followers? What about the congregations, the communities, the chavra? What is your one ask of all of us? Hmm. Does it need to be a different ask? I think we're leading. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Oh, I want to say, I want to say, Talmud Torah may be maaseh. Torah brings to action. And wherever you on the wherever we are on the spectrum, do we need more Torah? Do we need more action? And how do we manifest that? And I would also say, I to go back to Rabbi Nachman, Odmat ve'in Rasha, lesof how can we look at, I mean, this is the Shaliach Tzibor, right? The really good Shaliach Tzibor is the person, the prayer leader is the person or the leader is the person who's able to collect up all the good points of a person. And you look at a person, Rabbi Nachman, I think he really understood. There are some people that it seems like they have no good points, but they have the good point. And the job of the human being and of the leader, and, and in a sense, they have the same mission, which is to find, to look at them, od ma'at, you keep looking at them a little bit more, ve'en rashat, and you see suddenly they're actually not bad at all. You found their, as soon as you find their nikudatova, their good points, mm. then you lift them up, and then they become good. Have you ever been with those people? You're one of those people that, like, when you're with them, you feel more you, better you, there's people that actually bring out, that help us be our best selves. Yes. And that's that Udmat Ben Rasha. I kept looking at you and I believe, I know that I see the good in you. And then because you see the good in me, I am better. Wow. So wow. That's, what, wow. that's what we need in this world, wow. both from the leaders and from the people. That's the commentary on Parshat Kitisa. That in Parshat Kitisa, we, it begins with the enumerating, but we don't actually count the people. So each person would be donating the, the, the uh, half of a shekel every man, 20 to 60 years old. Okay, okay but yeah, almost everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, not, well, not almost. Not even everybody. close. <laughs> right, right. Whoever it was, the representatives. Okay, we'll call them the representatives of the, of the whole, of the whole yeah, tribe. You should know that women are also allowed to, to yeah. give the shekel, and right. your, the yeah. parents are allowed to give for the children, yeah, and, you and we can all step in. Yes. So the question that many of the rabbis ask is, what is a kitisa? I mean, that means to raise up. Because each person, when they came by Moshe Rabbeinu mm. and gave them Machsit Shachokeda, he was able to raise them up by informing them of what their individual Shlichut is, what wow. their mission. The, wh why was Reuven created? And why was Shimon created? Why was Sarah created? Why was Rivka created? Not to duplicate each other. But sometimes, even if we want to be, to use the term, our authentic selves, we don't always know what that is. And, and that right there is worth, I believe, a, a prayer, a heartfelt prayer. God, I want to do right by you. I want to give you nachat for having created me. Mm. But I don't even know what it means to be my authentic self. And here Moshe was able to teach each person. And he raised each person up just by who he was when they would walk by him and give the half a shekel. I bless us in light of this wonderful conversation we've had. The, the depth, the, the diversity, the, it's like a tapestry that you've just woven so many threads together that we, may we raise each other up, you and me, all of our students, all of our teachers, all of our community members, our children, 
for some of us, our grandchildren, (laughs) our siblings, everyone we sit next to on the bus. May we be able to raise each other up and to bring out our better selves. Amen. Wow. Thank you so much for this conversation. It's been Mm. a delight. So in conclusion, uh, I'm sure I have, I, I strongly sense people may want to follow up with you. Uh, if they have any individual questions or they want to follow your teachings, how can uh, the listeners be in touch with you? Do you have a platform that you prefer to share with everyone? Or? First and foremost, I want everyone to come spend a year at Pardes ah, in the Beit Midrash. There you go. There you go. Uh, we've got all sorts of fantastic scholarships. To I know it's not simple to make that happen, but it's a commitment. It's an investment in yourself that is really really worthwhile um, and then you and get to learn with you and then you, you get to learn with me in short of that come for a summer come for a week there's so many opportunities to study at Pardes or you could go to Elmod the Pardes Pardes.org.il or Elmod E-L-M-A-D dot org.il and you can find there Dozens and dozens of classes that I've given there um, that are available for recording at your convenience while you're in the while you're in the supermarket. Yeah, you have a lot of podcasts on the Omad channel. I have a lot of classes there, so there, yeah. so you definitely can find me. Um, and uh, feel free to e. And you'll also find my email there, Mish M E E S H at pardes.org.il. And I'd love to be in touch with anybody. Great, um, great. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to learning Torah with uh, some of these people. And Yiska, thank you for reaching them. And thank you for bringing your beautiful Torah to the world. Oh, you're welcome. B'simcha, b'kefes, we say in Hebrew, with so much joy. Okay, so um, again, Mish, thank you. Amontodot, mamash, with so much gratitude. And to all, all the listeners, whatever you're doing during your summer plans, travel safely, uh, take care of your souls, Take care of your bodies. Take care of your families. Take care of each other. Take care of your leaders. Take care of your followers. And we shall resume Be'ezrat Hashem at a later point. I thank you very much for your focus and your, your listenership. And uh, I wish you the best. Kol tu v'lihitro'ot. Shalom v'shalom. Today it's Thursday in Israel. so we can, uh, No, it's Wednesday. Soon to become Erev Shabbat. A Shabbat Shalom to all of you. Kotuv with all my brachot, all my love. <laughs>